you can be faithful and not loyal. For instance, in a marriage, you can be in a place where you've been married. Like for me, I'll be married next month. My wife and I will be married 34 years. So you get to that place, you're finishing each other's sentences. Well, she finishes mine. She knows where my socks are. She knows where my keys are. Pretty much she does the finishing, but we know each other pretty doggone good after that many years. And you can be faithful to that woman by being married to her and not divorcing her for 34 years, but be disloyal to her in your mind by thinking about other women and other potential prospects or even having an affair or adultery. So you can be faithful and not be loyal. You can be faithful and not loyal in your church. You come every Sunday, so you're faithful. But you can't wait to talk about the other people in the church. To anybody who will listen. And anytime you're in disagreement with your pastor, you can't wait to tell him about him to others how wrong he is. And how right you are. So you're faithful to that church, but you're not loyal to the house of God. What good is it to have people in your life if they don't have your back? Jesus knew this more than anybody in Scripture would understand this. And yet the Bible says that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The title of my message this morning is Betrayal. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so very much for your presence that's been felt in this house, Lord God, loosening the atmosphere, making it pregnant, Lord God, so it's able to receive instantaneously your word, I pray in Jesus' precious name, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that prophetic flow is going to happen in this house and that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will be here, not to condemn, but to convince. And that's what we want, Lord. We want to be convinced of your will, convinced of your way, because something's been holding us back, and it's time now for us to move forward, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And the people that received that prayer and prayed that prayer said amen. 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 Jesus said in Luke 17, 1, he said it is impossible. Now, he said he spoke this to the disciples. It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. So he gives us the understanding that there's no way you're going to walk in life and escape offense. And then the caveat that if you're causing offense, woe. <laughs> woe just means watch out. Notice that Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers here. So in other words, he's talking to the church. He's discussing, by the way, Jesus did talk to the church even after his ascension, after his resurrection ascension, because the Bible says in the book of Revelation that he talked to seven churches. Seven churches. He talked to the messenger of the church. That's translated, angels translated messenger, uh, angels tra translated messenger, which could also be translated pastor or poimane. So he discussed, he had information to give to each pastor or shepherd of each church. He's still doing that today. So Jesus is talking to the church and say, hey, church guys, folks, my, my children, my sheep, know this, offenses will come. They're going to come. Jesus had just at that time, after he spoke this, he had just um, touched what we now know the story of the ten lepers. And ten lepers came to him, uh, Elder Pito, but, you know, they weren't supposed to come to him. 
because they were, they were to be exiled. They were, to, they, were, um, uh, they were banished from the kingdom because what they had, others can get. It was corona times 10. It was, it was terrible. And so, um, and so they had to live outside of the city. And so they came to Jesus, and they wanted to be healed, rightfully so. They found out the healers in town. And they come to Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus spoke to them. But the healing did not come immediately. The Bible says there had to be, there was an act of obedience that they had to do. He said, now, now that I have healed you, it wasn't like it was there present, but now that I've healed you, go show yourself to the priest. All ten of them left. They had to go show themselves to the priest. The Bible says that one came back out of all ten of the people. Only one found their way back to give him the praise and say, thank you for touching me. Out of your, my obedience to you and your healing power, I am now made whole. They all were whole. But I wanted to say this because there's a little bit more information you need to receive from this. Because really what he was doing, you find that there's a connection between your healing and forgiveness of offense. Because the priest was the one that was the one that had the job, the duty, and the authority to tell people that had leprosy that they could no longer live around their family members, no longer keep their job to support them. As a matter of fact, they had to leave town and today, this very moment, pack what you can and get out. Ain't no doubt that there are other people that thought, I can work a little bit longer. He's just being a little bit picky. He saw one little spot on me, and now he says I got leprosy, and he's going to take everything from me in my world. Aware. Who has the authority to take me away from my children? Nobody's going to tell me I can't be with my children. He saw one that is a freckle. All it is is a sunspot, and he thinks he's got the authority to tell me to be outside of the camp. Who does he think he is? Don't tell me that the priest did not cause offenses with people because he had the authority to tell them, no longer can you be with your children. No longer can you be in your home that you build. No longer can you keep your job and the family that you build. You've got to live outside. And so Jesus said you're healed, but the full manifestation of your healing will not come until you go back to that priest. You're going to have to deal with the man who condemned you. I'm preaching better than you're shouting because I think you're getting it. They had to face him. You have to face the offense, but you don't front an offense. You don't cuss an offense. You don't fight the offense. You forgive the offense because your healing, your promotion, your prosperity, your next level of life is all tied together in your forgiveness of the offense. Someone is going to offend you. There's someone building a trap for you right now so that you will be caught in it and be offended. Offense comes from the Greek word Scandalon. You've heard me preach this before. The word scandalon. And that's where we get our English word scandal. It's also, the, it comes from the word uh, scam, to scam somebody or something. So that when there's an offense that comes, it brings a scandalized situation. Because somebody got scammed. There are people here today that have been scandalized because you fell for the scam and you got hurt and you got offended. The devil made something look, look a whole lot bigger than what it was, and you got scammed, and you fell right into the trap. The devil's been running all kinds of game on you, and he's been running all kinds of scam on you. He's been running the scam of self-pity. The self-pity scam is, well, they don't know how much I do for them. 
you know, I'm I'm the only one that cares. Or you fell for the scam of underappreciated. They don't know. uh, They just have not given me my just due. You know, I deserve it anyways. Or you fell for the insecurity scam. I'm preaching real good now. They don't notice me. They never do notice me. Nobody ever really cares about me. You fell for insecurity. Or you fell for the competition scam. They think they're better than me. Who do they think they are? I'm just as good as they are. Be real careful. Oh, yeah. I'm preaching real good now. Be real careful on social media and look at everybody else's life and thinking the grass is greener on the other side and thinking they got so much more than you got. Honey, that's just a picture. You can make anything. You can arrange anything. That ain't their car. They're in somebody else's parking lot. Is this okay this morning? And now we're competitive with it. But the truth is it's not them because they lie about their situation. It's the fact that you are competing. You fell for the scam. You are in the scam. And you have been scandalized. And what happens in scandal? Drama breaks out on all sides. Church, I think it's time for the church to grow up. Uh, As they used to say back in the 70s and 80s, uh, take the pacifier out, out of the mustache. Amen. Looks kind of foolish. Pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and get yourself back in the front line and start doing some battle rather than goo goo gaga, whining about this and whining about that. Come on. The devil's got you trapped in your insecurity, and you think everybody else is better than you? I got good news for people in this church that want to understand it. No one's better than you. Let me just tell you what God says about you. You are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, been chosen of God. Everybody say, I'm chosen. Amen. Scandalon. Everybody say, Scandalon. Scandalon is likened to a hunter who uses traps to catch his prey. He doesn't have a bow and arrow, doesn't need it. He's really skilled at using traps. He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have any weapon. He, he, he digs a hole. In the floor of, 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 of a place, maybe the jungle or the forest. And he digs it deep enough so that if something falls into it, it can't get out easily. And inside the, the hole that he has dug, inside of it there is a sharp sticks that he has sharpened. And he fastens them to the ground with the points upward. And inside of, inside, inside of that, he puts many of points in there so that it, it gets stuck. If it falls into it, and then he takes twigs and branches and he long enough to, to make a little floor over on top of the hole that he had just put into the ground. And, and then he puts leaves on top of that so it looks just like the floor of the forest or the jungle. And then in the middle of that thing, he'll put a piece of bait. Whatever he wants to catch, he'll put that kind of bait in there. And he'll put it right in the middle of that floor so that if a lion or a, a tiger or, a, 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 or, or, or and some sort of deer or something of that nature uh, is hungry for that bait, they'll lunge upon that bait and unknowingly the floor will begin to give. And when it gives, it falls, you know, seven feet down into the ground. And now it's been stabbed by the sticks that are in the bottom and they're caught. And they cannot do anything about it. They may not die immediately, but they're bleeding. And if they don't die... It's all right because the hunter is going to come and the hunter will put them out of their misery and they will be no more. They, are, they have been hunted like prey. Scandalon is the same word that would be used in people's lives. Jesus used it here. He said offense is going to come. Scandalon is going to come. 
you got a hunter or the enemy that's coming. He's laying a trap, but you've got to be more savvy than him. You've got to understand that just because it looks good. I'm preaching to people watching me too. Just because it looks good online doesn't mean it is good online. Watch yourself. Be discerning. Not every piece of meat's for you. And they jump upon that thing, and then they, get, they, get, they fall, and they're trapped. And now there's nothing they can do about it. They're either bleeding to death, or they're about to die by the hunter. Jesus said, that's what I'm talking about here. That's what offense does. That's how the enemy begins to scam you. He's tricking you. He's building a trap for you right now. Psalm 7, verse 6 says this. Oh, rise, O Lord. In your anger, lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the people shall surround you for their sakes. Therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. God will test us. God will test us to see if we're capable of moving ahead in him, to see if we're able to be mature, to see if we're able to handle the success he wants to bring to us. And if you can't forgive the person right now that's in your life, how are you going to forgive the one that's trying to rob you and cheat you in your 10 years from now? It's bigger then than it is today. My defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. I don't have to have vengeance on my enemies. God's looking out for me, and if he does not turn back, he'll sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He'll fight my battles. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his, bow, his arrows into fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, it conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out. This is what the devil does. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. Woo. His trouble shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. Right now in the name of Jesus, there have been people in, that are in this room and they have spoken curse words over you. They have dug a, a hole over you. Some of you are right now in the middle of that hole. You are hurting. You are bleeding spiritually. You don't know how to get out of your situation. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I break every curse word, every assignment of the enemy against you, every spell I break now, every hex I break now, in every bit of sorcery I break now in the name of of Jesus Christ. We send it back. And those that dug a hole to get you in the trap, may it come back on them sevenfold, I pray, in the name of Jesus, that they may find repentance. Can somebody shout yes? Someone said, what kind of prayer is that? That was crazy. You went from blessing us to cursing the enemy. There are times when enough is enough. Read your Bible. Read the book of Psalms. It is filled with imprecatory prayer, which means prayers of judgment against your enemy. I could tell you some things. I'll save it for another time. But I promise you this. When you start getting bold like that, God bends his fiery bow and lets loose of his arrows. He sharpened his sword, and he will go to battle on your behalf. 
Jesus told us that it would be impossible for offenses not to come. And I know that because there are people right now, as I look in your eyes, some of you are offended already. That lets me know if offenses are going to come, I've got to be prepared. I can't walk around in life without any sort of discernment or willy-nilly and just everything's going to be okay. i got to recognize I'm in a fight here. i, I got to recognize that my steps, though they're ordered of God, the enemy knows the path. And he may be laying a trap up ahead of me. One man said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, thinking the person that you haven't forgiven is going to die. That's insanity. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 2. Jesus said, it would be better. Y'all don't like what I prayed this morning? Watch this. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that he should what? Scandalize. Scandalon. Offend. Scam. One of these little ones. Pull them away from their destinies. That's pretty strong stuff from your loving Jesus. He only spoke the truth. Somebody say amen. Jesus might as well just said, if you offend somebody, it would be better for you. Go home right now. Get a chain. Wrap it around your washing machine. Put that around your neck. Go up to the home bridge and throw yourself over. It would be better for that than the judgment that you should scam, offend, dramatize, scandalize somebody else's life. This okay? I think it's good shepherding. I'm going to preach real nice and sweet next week. So you all come back next week too. I'm going to be really sweet. I'm going to love you. I'm going I'm to hold you tight. I'm going to put that baby bottle right back in that mustache. I'm going to kiss you on your forehead and tell you everything's going to be okay. But today, I see, I, see, I see problems on the horizon. So I'm going to be that guy shouting, go, ho, ho, whoa, hey. There are many of you here this morning that could be so much further in life. But Scandalon has gripped you through relationships. It's gripped you through broken contracts. People made promises. It's gripped you, Scandalon has gripped you through your children, through your parents, through authority figures. Scandalon has gripped a lot of the church through their pastors. People have been offended. I got people right now in this church, some sitting on the front row of this church, that have been hurt very much by pastors, but they survived the scandal. They didn't get bitter. They got better. They made a choice to move on. And we know there are people that are watching that are church hurts, and you won't come to church and your church. We're not belittling these people. This folks have been hurt bad, but they made decisions in their life. They didn't put the man of God on such a pedestal that he couldn't just be a human being and make mistakes. They didn't do that. They didn't make him God. They recognized that there's, there's, there's problems, but the, what they did was, you know what? I'm not going to let all that stop me from being where I'm supposed to be. And if you're coming to our church and something bad happened to you by your former pastor, don't make me pay for his sins. I didn't do it. Give me a chance. Let me have opportunity. 
Let me earn the opportunity to speak well into your life. But don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Church, we need to start walking in some discernment because there are some wolves out here. There are some scam artists out here. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You've got to discern the, the difference between the anointing and charisma. I just said something right there. You've got to discern the difference between the power of God and the power of man's words. Because people will say all kinds of crazy things to be a wolf. They come in sheep clothing to draw you away from the house of God, to draw you away from the place of your potential. Because I believe God, I believe it's scriptural that God sets every member in the body as it pleases him. And if it pleases him, he's going to prosper you right where he sent you. It doesn't mean there won't be issues. It doesn't mean everything you're going to like. It just means that's where God sets you in. And if God sets you in, that's where your promise is, that's where your promotion is, and that's where your provision is. But a wolf will come through the back doors of a church. And my job as the shepherd is to know who the wolves are and then kick them out of the church. Well, you're being kind of harsh. Should we love it? I'll give everybody a chance. There's no doubt about that. We'll figure out real quick who they are. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, this is what I want you to do. If they will not do it, I know who they are. Because a wolf will never, ever want to do what the shepherd says. Because he's got one, he's got one thought, and that is, I want to catch me a sheep. I want to pick off the most vulnerable one, because you have to understand something about I'm preaching real good now. Ah, Jesus. Because a wolf ain't looking for a fight. Because a wolf knows the shepherd's going to take that staff and beat his hind end out the door. But now then, y'all don't like that kind of straightforward preaching? That's the kind of preaching we're going to do right here. If you're a wolf, we're going to find you real quick. Most people are just sheep. We got some goats too, praise God. We love goats. They make great goat cheese, praise God. Great on pizza, hallelujah. But mostly we got sheep in here. But now the wolf will come. He don't want to fight me. He'll slink around the perimeter of the church, looking around who he can pick off real easy. And the ones that come and go, the ones that always, aren't always faithful and loyal to the house of God, that's the one the wolf's going to see that has a vulnerable place, and he can pick them off pretty easy. But what he does to test it out is he starts to, he'll just start walking around the perimeter a little bit. But you know what happened to the sheep? The sheep, they're not super, super smart. Sorry that the Lord called us all sheep, but they're not the most smart animal in the whole wide world. And they don't have defense mechanisms. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have claws. They cannot protect themselves. That's why they have to have a shepherd. That's the shepherd's job. But they are really good, strong in numbers. So when they, when they sense the wolf coming, they begin to tighten up. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> they begin to tighten up real tight. And they, they come together, and the wolf got no choice. If he wants to get one, he takes, he leaps in the air, and he gets on their backs. And he begins to do this. He jumps up and down and pounces on their back to do what? To loosen one of them free. So most will run off, but the one that stays around, that's the one he's going to grab. So a wolf will come into a church, make all kinds of noise for a little while. Especially while the shepherd's in his house sleeping. 
That's why if you're watching me and you're a pastor, don't go to sheep. <laughs> don't go to sleep. Because that's when the wolves come out. That's why you need some eldership. You need some leaders in the house of God that are like watchdogs. That can patrol the perimeter. That can watch them sheep while you're taking some rest. That sheep, will, that wolf will make all kinds of noise. He jumps up and down. He's jumping up and down. What's he trying to do? He's trying to split and divide. Split and divide. Split. So the wolf comes in here and says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow this house down. No, he cannot. Why? Because we have been armed with the sword of the Spirit. We have the Holy Ghost and we got the blood of Jesus Christ. And we've got discernment in the house of God that's not afraid to tell the wolf to get out. You mess with God's house, you're messing with him. Proverbs 6, 16, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Notice the seventh one is the abomination against God, the one that sows discord. Amongst God's people, the one that tried to split and divide, the one that's got everybody's ear and saying, did you know this? Did you hear that? And if you've been involved in a church split and you're watching me right now and you've been a part of that and you've taken a part in that, you repent today in the name of Jesus. For your sake, for the enemy has laid a trap for you and your family. And the only way you get out is through Repentance. The temptation is for people who have been offended to try to influence other people. Because hurt people hurt people. Even if they have no proof of what they're saying. If they're offended, they just want, they want to propagate the offense. It's even a lie. They don't care. Because it feeds into the narrative of where they've been offended. I had a woman in our church years ago wanted to see us. And came and said that, uh, well, I'm leaving this church. Okay, been here for about four years, whatever, five. Sorry to hear that. Uh, can we ask why? Yes, absolutely. I was going to tell you anyways. Okay, why are you leaving the church? Um, leave the church because um, you don't care about the people. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, what did I do? Tell me. Well, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> you wrote everybody a letter. You wrote every pastor in town a letter about me and my family. And that uh, we were no good and we're not... You're not to have these people in your church. And uh, you knew we were leaving anyways. I, by the way, I had no clue they were leaving. And so you wrote, went ahead and wrote a letter to all the people, uh, pastors, so that we couldn't go to church anywhere. I said, first of all, that's a lie. Second of all, that's not even my character to do something like that. And third of all, show me the letter. When you've got nothing to hide. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> they got thrown off. Well, you know, uh, I haven't, I don't, I don't, I can't get the letter. I said, well, have you seen it? Well, no, 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 I haven't seen the letter. But people have told me about it. I said, so you come to me offended, upset. You come here to say you're leaving the church God sent you to. All because of a letter that you've not seen, you've only heard about. Lady, I want you to go. 
Because if we don't have trust, we don't have relationship. You don't even give me the benefit of the doubt? And there was no letter, and she left the church. I'm here to tell you, folks, and I believe lost her blessing. That's strong, but I believe that. I believe God sends you somewhere so you can receive something you couldn't without it. Offended people are looking to find agreement. They're looking to have that coffee with somebody who will talk like they talk. So they can build it up and then add another one, then add another one, then add another one. You run into people. Y'all got a little time? I should be wrapping it up right now, but if you give me five more minutes. I mean, not many restaurants over. Where are you going to go, you know? <laughs> Find people, run into them. Oh, oh. Are you still going to Faith Builders? Oh. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I still go there on a regular basis. Well, I heard. Haven't been around for 12 whole months, but they know everything's going on in church. You know, um, I love them. But let me tell you something. Which to that I say, run, Forrest, Run. Run as hard and as fast as you can. Why? They are robbing you of your ability to receive from that pastor and from that church. Look, I, I'm a bus driver. You may not, I may not look like one today, but I'm a spiritual bus driver. Why aren't you concerned that people leave the church? Always concerned. Never happy about somebody that leaves a church. I'm not, I'm not cold-hearted. Of course. But do you let it bother you? Never do I let it bother me. Why? I can't afford to. It's Why? Because it's not my job. See, everybody's got to stay in their lane. I didn't bring them to the church, so why should I be offended if they leave the church? Did I want them to go? No. In a lot of cases, were they supposed to go? No. But that's not my job. I don't control people's lives. I have to be in my lane, and so I like myself like a bus driver. I got a big bus. It's a nice bus. And um, I'm the bus driver. My job is I have a route. I have a ministry. And I, I, I go from, I go from uh, bus stop to bus stop. Sometimes I get to a bus stop and ain't nobody there. Oh, that's the one I really like to get offended on. That's the one. I'll take someone fighting me over having nobody show up. But sometimes that happens. Other times, I got 10 people waiting for me, like this. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just one person waiting for me. And I also notice that every time I go, I never have a full bus long. Because some people get on, but others get off. Ain't nobody mad. Nobody's upset. Just doing our job. Maybe if they talk to me, I could help them get a little closer to the destination. Maybe I could get them a little bit further. Maybe they just don't understand. If they stayed on a little bit longer, I can really get them closer. They might have got off too soon, but that's not my job. If I'm asked, I'll tell you. I'll preach it. I got, I got everything for you. I'm ready to go. The wheels of the bus go round and round. My job is to do that, not to be offended. Church, I'm here to tell you. If God couldn't keep them all, 
One third of them left him in heaven. He wasn't ashamed to tell you either. Then how in the world am I expected to keep everybody? Jesus actually chose his 12 apostles or disciples and one by the name of Judas. Where was his discernment? He saw the good. He saw the capability. He saw the potential in Judas and gave him opportunity knowing he was a thief. Don't get mad at me because I got people sometimes in leadership that don't always do what they're supposed to do. We'll deal with it when it comes up, but don't point a finger at me. Trust me, folks. At some point, we're all going to be betrayed. We're all going to get played. But Jesus will test your heart. Jesus will always test your heart. Most of the church has chosen entertainment over intercession. Most of the church has chosen adultery over the anointing. Most of the church has chosen laziness over leadership. Politics over preaching. Rebellion over repentance. Where is the remnant church that will rise up in the face of the modern religion and cry loud and spare not and say what God says and do what God says? I don't know about you, but I want to be counted in that number. I want to be a part of that remnant church. Gideon's army, man. God didn't need 30,000 whiners. He needed 300 that would say, whatever you say, God, I'm yours to command. Amen. Most people don't finish their race because the devil scammed them to believe that their man of God is the reason why they haven't got, they've gotten so many problems. I'm reminded of Numbers chapter 14, verse 1, and I'm closing. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and, and people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and, and, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Wow, that's their vision. Or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to the land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt, back to the world? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. They had a leader. So I stand up and I talk about against adultery or rebellion or living right, doing the right thing. And people get offended with me and try to find a pastor or somebody that will soothe their itching ears to tell them what they want to hear to keep them more in a place of bondage because they're, what does it do? It tickles their flesh and makes their flesh feel real good. And there's a lot of places that will do that. God forbid that Faith Builders becomes that church. As long as I'm at the helm, that'll never happen. Because what that produces is a bunch of people who want it their way. They want to, and every time it happens, let's get ourselves a new leader. We're going to find another church. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to make sure we have another path. We want the guy who tells us what we want. And what happens, you made you and your children victims. You said it with your own mouth. You made yourself a victim. Now the wolf comes and sees the victim. Do you see that? I'm asking you, did you see that? Right before the promised land. Right before the promise comes a victim spirit to bring an offense in order to stop the promises of God from coming to pass. 
when you are always the victim, you will be powerless to overcome in life. Think of yourself greater than that. 